0: that we give to each other by being here. We thank you for that. The sacrifice that, that you have made to be here. Thank you for that. Thank you for the vis- visiting. Thank you for the reading, Isaac. What a gift it is to be here. I haven't been able to, to stand before you and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ in quite some time, and what a great privilege that is as well. So it's good to be here. The reading of the morning, 2 Corinthians 5, first 10 verses I'd like for us to look a little closer at that, if we could, this morning. Dissect that just a little bit. First two verses there, we'll read those first. The Apostle Paul said, For we know that the tent that is our earthly home, that if that tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. He said, we aren't the tent. We live in the tent. It's our dwelling place. Well, let's get into that a little bit. We know there's some basic things about, about our being. We know we have three parts, a body, soul, and a spirit. And that's confirmed. First Thessalonians 5, verse 23, the Bible says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that, three parts. We understand that. And when they're not separate parts... I mean, they're all here, but they are separate, aren't they? They are separate. Ecclesiastes 12, Solomon says, verse 7, then the dust will return to the earth as it was. That's this body will return to the dust. The spirit will return to God who gave it. James 2 tells us, for as the body without spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead, being alone. Okay, the body dies, returns to the earth. The spirit returns to God who sends it, who gave it. But this spirit is still there. This soul, excuse me. This soul lives on. Body, soul, and spirit. Spirit returns. Body's buried. Returns to the earth. But this soul, there's something immortal. That's the soul. Matthew 25. Jesus said, "And these will go away into everlasting punishment. But the righteous shall eternal life. Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these, my brother, ye have done it unto me, or not done it unto me." Some will go to eternal judgment, some to eternal life. But it won't be the body, will it? It won't be this body anyway. It won't be the spirit. So we're talking about the soul here. That's what I wa- want us to talk about, the home of the soul. I want us to talk about the body and how we tend to glorify the least important one of the bunch. Let's talk about this earthly body. It's called flesh and blood in many places in in the Bible. You know, a tent that he's describing here in in 2 Corinthians 5, a tent by its very nature is transitional and is temporary. Some of you may watch these nature shows. Once in a while, I catch one on TV, Life Below Zero. And these two guys go go to Alaska and spend the winter in a tent. And at the first thaw, they're chopping down trees, getting ready to build a cabin. They don't want to spend another winter in that tent. The tent is transitory. It's, it's on the way to something better, hopefully. And it's temporary. The Bible has a lot to say about this tent, this flesh and blood. It is temporary, isn't it? 1 Peter 1, verse 24, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, and its flower Falls away. As much as we want to glorify this body, as much as we want to satisfy the appetite of this body, it's just going away at the expense, often, of the permanent, the soul. The point of the man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. That's the body that we're talking about. One thing we know flesh and blood cannot enter heaven. That's a well known fact. We understand that. First Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Now that corruption is not sin, that's perishability. Cannot inherit the imperishability. Eternal life. Another thing we know about flesh and blood is Christ revealed himself to us in this manner. Let's think about that for a minute. Something we share with Christ. He wasn't flesh and blood. He was a spirit. John 4, he's talking to the woman at the well about verse 26. He said, God is a spirit, and he seeks such to worship him. Christ was a spirit too. He wasn't flesh and blood. He became flesh and blood. First Timothy 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested. In the flesh. In other words, he revealed himself to us in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit, seen of angels, priest among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. So he wasn't flesh. He chose to become flesh, to reveal himself to us in flesh. Let's look at some more scriptures about that particular subject. Hebrews 2, starting there in verse 14, the writer said, Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood. That's something we shared in. That's, that's something we experienced. Inasmuch then as the children are, have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise, that's Christ, shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Verse 16, for indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. How does that fit in? That's a kind of an odd statement, but it's not if you think about the fact that he did not come in the form of an angel, because the angels he wasn't trying to render help to. He came in the form of man, brethren. It says, therefore, verse 17, in all things he had to be made like his brethren. That he might be merciful and faithful, high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. He wasn't, he didn't create himself or come to us in the form of an angel because we didn't need him to be relatable to an angel. We needed him to be relatable to us. He suffered, being tempted. And through that suffering, as a man, he's able to counsel us as mankind. Christ left an amazing home in heaven. Glorious, eternal home in paradise to come here and live in a perishable tent. The tent of this mortal home. How far is that from where he went to where he came? Just so we could relate to it and so he could provide for us a home in heaven john one we've been studying on wednesday night the the gospel of john very fascinating passage uh, book we're about to end that this week i believe john begins john one and one a familiar passage of scripture and john says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Well, who is this word? I think we know who that is, don't we? He was in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God, and he was God, and through him all things were made. Who is that? Verse 14 tells us who this word is. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. He wasn't flesh, but he had to become flesh for us, didn't he? He dwelt in the flesh. The word dwelt and the word beheld, two unusual words. We think, well, he just, yeah, he dwelt among us. The word dwelt actually means to tent or to encamp. We don't often consider the fact that Jesus encamped here for 30 years as a man. Word-for-word translations often translate it as he tabernacled among us. That's the King James Version. Tabernacled among us. And then it says we beheld his glory. And that same word translated beheld is also translated theater. As we're going to a theater. It means to closely observe, or to monitor, or to scrutinize. Said he tabernacled among us, and we closely observed his glory. Closely beheld it. The the apostles closely beheld it, monitored, scrutinized over every aspect of it. And what was their conclusion at the time? His glory was the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And for 2,000 years since we have scrutinized, haven't we? We've closely observed over every aspect of the story of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who was tabernacling among us, trying to find one, enemies trying to find one chip in in the armor, one dent. And the conclusion is the same. Through that body, through that tent, that tabernacle, he showed us what person he was. He showed us the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is not who I am. This was not who Christ was. But he showed us who he was by what he did with this body. We have an opportunity, brothers and sisters. We look at people. It's a tent. What we see from that person is a tent. But how they use that, how I use this, tells you what I am in here what the permanent part of me is. Christ left everything to live in a tent so he would know exactly what it was like for us to live in that tent and die in those tabernacles. Hebrews 4, talking about Jesus, puts it this way. Hebrews 4 and verse 14, the Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come confidently. Come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Christ knows Every intimate detail, what it's like to try to live in these bodies, and what it is to not glorify the body, not to try to satisfy the body, but he did the will of God, and it was revealed what was in his, what was in him by through, through what he did. Tent starts out in good weather, pretty good shape. I took Doris tenting when Monty and Valerie were little, the last time we went. (laughs) Woke up first morning in Colorado and there's frost about that thick all over. It was cold. Daughter said, the next time you bring me up here, I want some solid walls. Transitory and temporary. (laughs) Lasted a few days. It was a pretty decent tent. It was a pretty nice tent, but it's still just a tent. We may start out in life with a pretty substantial body, a substantial tent to live in. We can start out with that. Good weather. It works okay. It may be a bigger tent. Maybe it's a little fancier. Maybe we have more. Maybe we're in better health. Maybe, Maybe it's still a tent. Why are we glorifying the tent at the expense of the soul? You know, it's not too long, though. That the tent starts to sag a bit. Looks like it's got a little mold on it, doesn't it? Patches. Windows doesn't set straight anymore. Supposed to take a little bit of bleach, mix it in some water, and you can wipe off the tent, get rid of some of the mold and different things. It's still just a tent. But now it doesn't stand up to the weather quite as well, does it? Now it doesn't handle adversity as well as it did. Not as strong, not as taut as it once was. You know, but there's a real popular, a popular thing going on in the world today. It's called glorious camping, glamping. This is actually a tent with a swimming pool in it. You know, we find ourselves chasing rewards for this body at the expense of our soul. We're all wealthy. By any worldly measure, we are all wealthy but we don't have to prioritize wealth. We don't have to prioritize self and this body at the expense of the soul. 1 Timothy 6, familiar passage, I think. 1 Timothy 6, starting there in verse 17, Paul says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good. That's how we're supposed to use our riches. This is a cautionary tale, brothers and sisters. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works. Ready to give, willing to share. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. You Look at someone, all we see is the tent. All we see is the appearance. But sometimes we can make discernments based on what we do what we prioritize in this body. We must fight the temptation to glorify what's been rejected. These earthly bodies can't make it to heaven. And to try to glorify this body at the expense of what's priceless. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 16, verse 24, when Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and who, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? If we use this body to glorify God, he's promised us amazing things. That transitional body. This body is temporary, it's transitional. He's promising us something better. But it depends on what we do with this body. Philippians 3, verse 17. The Bible says, brethren, join in following my example. Here, Paul talking to the church at Philippi. He said, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. Sensual appetites, brothers and sisters, their belly, feeding this, nourishing this, concerned with this at the expense of this. Verse 24, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. Are we nourishing the tent that is deteriorating faster than we can build it up? Are we nourishing the soul? Are we serving God? Who provides for both. Let's look at the passage, 2 Corinthians 5. Let's read through these verses, look at it a little closer. Paul says, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heaven. For in this tent, we groan. We are in this body. The permanent part of our being is in this temporary body, which one are we emphasizing? For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by, uh, by life. He's not talking about being naked. He's talking about clothed, being clothed with the rags of mortality, with a tent. And as children of God, we're earnestly looking forward to the time that we get to put on a heavenly body. Verse 5, he said, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. God has prepared us for eternal life. This very thing who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. If we think we're at home in the body, verse 6, we're away from the Lord. If we want this for our home, and this is all we can think about and regard this as our home we're away from God, but when we regard him as home, then we are now away from home. We're in the body, but we're away from home. We want to go home. We're ready for that. At some, at some point, we'll become a lot more ready, but when we get to the end of our life, if we've lived stressing this, it won't be as hard to give up on this. Verse 9 says, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what He has done in the body. Look at the tent. Don't see the outward appearance. See what's been accomplished. See what's been accomplished, because we will give an account for what we've done, not what we've said. But what we've done, had foreman, many foreman taught many different ways. But the ones I learned the most from was not the one who was standing down there at the bottom of the pole telling me what to do. It was the one who put on the hooks and put on the belt and climbed up there and got beside me and said, okay, when that person got there, you just kind of looked at them and grinned, and said, let's go, let's go. I would much rather see a good sermon than to hear one. By what we do in this body, certainly what we say is important. But what are we doing in this body? It's just a body. It's just a tent. But there are things we can do. And I've seen so much good work from this congregation. I've seen guys get together and build ramps. I've seen them paint houses. I've seen them move people. I've I've seen, I've been the beneficiary thing, working on houses and doing different things. I've seen so much of that. So I know I'm preaching at the choir. But the vast majority of us here are here today because of what the people do. Let's not lose that. Boy, it's easy to lose. I'm talking to me here. It's easy to lose. People come through those doors for any number of reasons. You've heard me say this. Maybe you haven't. It's been a while. People come through those doors for any number of reasons, but there's only one thing that brings them back. They find out if we care. And we have to do that, not just say that. And we'll give an account for what we do in this body. When we glorify the body, both body and soul suffers if our emphasis is on the body, it damages the soul too. But when we glorify God with our bodies, both body and soul benefits. Proverbs 11, Solomon put it like this in verse 17, "The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who, uh, who is cruel troubles his own flesh." What's he saying? He's saying, "Do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor. Be kind. It will benefit you as much as it does the person who you're being kind to. Psalms 32. David had terrible sin, and he withheld it. And he talks about that sin. He said, blessed. That's not blessed. That's happy. That's blessed. Is he whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silence, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. When I sinned and was apart from God, it made me physically ill. The benefits of leading a Christian life, of walking with God, start now. And they're not confined to the soul, to the inner man. It's also beneficial to us in our bodies. On down in verse 9, he says, don't be like the horse or like the mule. You know, animals are flesh and blood. Don't be like them. They have no concept of eternity. They have no desire to live on. They do have a desire to live on, but they have no knowledge of that life. He said, don't be like the horse or like the mule, which has no understanding, which must be harnessed with uh, bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The rewards for leading a Christian life start when we start leading a Christian life, and they're not confined to heaven. They start now. But by the same token, if we're emphasizing the flesh, And we're feeding the flesh and the sensual nature of the things in the flesh. That punishment starts now. And it doesn't end either. Don't allow the body to do things that damage the soul. Don't allow the rags of this mortal tent to keep us from preserving. Keep God from preserving our souls. We've read it a couple of times now. For We must all appear. There in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is done in this body, whether good or evil. Just a tent. Let's don't prioritize it, brothers and sisters. Let's put the priority where it needs to be. Don't glorify the tent. Glorify God, and He will glorify the person inside the tent. Matthew five and sixteen. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. What we do, not what we look like, but what we do is how we'll how we be judged. The lesson is yours. I ask you to pick up a songbook. We're going to offer an invitation to anyone that has a need. To anyone who needs the prayers of the church for any reason, If you need that we would we would love to assist you with that we would love to serve you in that capacity on the other hand if you're not a child of God we have water we have clothing we'd ask you to accept the invitation of Jesus Christ let us serve you in some way if there's a gospel subject in the audience we'd ask you to come forward and let your wishes be known as we stand and sing